Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Good morning, friends. I'm Lonnie. And I'm Jeff. Good morning. We want to speak to you today on a very special subject. Every time is special. And, but today we're going to move into the subject of the wise and the foolish virgins. They're in the scripture. We'll read to you about those in a moment. And in case you're new to our television broadcasts, what we minister to you, speak to you about, is in no way to put down former teachings that came from ages past. Because many of the things that we bring to you are for this age and for this age only were they to be revealed. The scripture said they were sealed until the time of the end. So our subject matter today is the wise and the foolish virgins. And then uh, with this program and maybe the next one or two, we'll, go, we'll take that because they have to tie to the resurrection, the rapture, the change in the body. And of course, tied into that is the great tribulation. So we want to show you in scripture how these all relate together. Most people look at the parable in Matthew 25 of the wise and foolish virgins and kind of relegate it as not quite sure what it means, but it's interesting. But rather we find that it is a literal happening. It's, there is uh, an actual happening related to the wise and the foolish virgins. So it's more than just a parable. It's almost, it is literally prophetic of something uh, that is to happen. And before I read the scriptures, Jeff, do you have anything you'd like to say on this subject? Well, with regard to the wise and the foolish virgin, we found out that uh, 10 were wise, uh, uh, out of the 10, five were wise and five were foolish. The question we would ask ourselves is what allowed or enabled one to be wise and the other ones to be foolish? We find out, as Brother Lonnie's going to read, that one group had oil in their lamps. We're going to find out that that oil represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oil is always a type of the spirit or the spiritual anointing. You can, those of you that knows your Bible, you know that you can go to the Old Testament and find out that they anointed the priest with oil before he did the ceremonial part of his services in the Old Testament tabernacle. So oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. We found out that both of them were religious. Both of them were church-going people. Both of them loved the Lord. Both of them went to church, etc. But one group had the Holy Ghost or were born again, and the other group was not born again. So Brother Lonnie's going to go into the account of those uh, verses right now with you in the scriptures. We're in Matthew chapter 25. I'll start reading at, at verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. So there's our first point, ten virgins. So we're talking about women, and women always scripturally type the church because the church is the bride of Christ. So we're talking now about actually ten church groups. And they are virgin. That means they are clean living people. So it's not, this isn't because in another place there's a church group that's called whores and harlots. But these are clean living people. So therefore they are come in their experience at least up through sanctification. And we may expound on that just a little bit more in a moment after I finish reading. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps, that would be equivalent to their body, and went forth to meet the bridegroom, that would be Christ, and five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels 
While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Notice all wise and foolish, all slumbered and slept. There's a direct meaning there. And at midnight, there was a cry made. We're going to show you how that in this age was the cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And, and the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. This represents going to the great wedding supper, which would be the rapture. The wedding supper is spoken about in Revelation chapter 19. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch ye therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Son of Man cometh. Now he re-elaborates this time on earth, uh, starting at verse 14, and expands the thought uh, to, to about what people do with the talents that he has given them. But the end of the conclusion, if I can spot it over here, the end of the conclusion of the matter is verse 30. And cast ye the unprofitable service servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not hell. This is the great tribulation. So therefore the wise and the foolish, those who uh, don't, uh, uh, I'll say qualify. That's the best word I can think of for the moment. Qualify as a wise virgin they're going to end up going into the tribulation, weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Not hell, tribulation. Because they're both clean living people, and we're going to find both end up in, in salvation, but we're going to find out by the study of this, we're going to find out why some church groups say the church will go through the tribulation. Some church groups say the church will not go through the tribulation. They'll be raptured before the tribulation. And in one sense, they're both right. Because the bride of Christ, the elect lady, the true church, mm -hmm. goes in a rapture before the tribulation. The foolish virgin remains behind to go through the tribulation because she wasn't fully purged by the blood of Jesus Christ, which we'll get into that in a moment, because she didn't walk in the fullness of words, so she has to pay for that, her slothfulness, by shedding her own blood in the great tribulation. Now we're going to fill in more details around this uh, subject matter, and but I want to see right now if I've been talking a lot. See if Jeff wants to interject well, actually, something here. I have uh, two points. One was as I noticed that this oil that is a type of the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says, is a gift. It's a free gift. The Holy Ghost is the person of Christ living in the individual. But here we found out that the wise said to the unwise, "No, go and buy." So we find out that it's gone from a free gift to something that has to be purchased. And the reason is, is because they're going to die in a, a martyr's death during the Great Tribulation under the mark of the beast. And so we find out that what was a free gift, now their own lives, they'll be shedding their own blood in, in martyrdom. And it's hard for us to conceive that we could go from a free society, as most societies can be in the world, to a nation under bondage, uh, under political bondage, under war, or whatever it might be, under dictatorship. But we, all we need to do is look at World War II 
and found out how quickly things went from a free society to a dictatorship and how that millions of people died as a result. So history most assuredly uh, repeats itself. Another thing that I want us to notice is, is that it says the Lord tarried. Now that doesn't mean he literally decided, God didn't decide to say, you know, I'm going to postpone the coming of the Lord. I'm going to postpone it. God wouldn't do that. But the people assumed that God should have come sooner. Mm -hmm. right. So they were anticipating the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Lord didn't come as quickly as they assumed that he would come, they began to slumber. We want you to notice that initially they were both virgins serving God, pressing on, but the Lord, it seemed as if he had tarried for a while. And in doing so, then the people began to become slothful, the people began to become lazy spiritually. And in Revelations, Brother Lonnie will go into it a little bit later, we find out that according to the scriptures that they are lukewarm. Right. They're actually lukewarm. They're church-going people who become lukewarm, and we're going to find out the reason they become lukewarm, not fervent, not hot, not zealous for God, is because they're lacking something. And what they're lacking, even though they're church-going people, they're lacking the new birth. This uh, fulfillment of scripture... Uh Go, go buy, go get oil yeah. yourself. Uh, we find that there are two groups that really emphasize what's going on right here. And uh, Jeff and I have experienced both of them in that we find that the Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship is bringing in the church nominal people attempting to introduce to them the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then out of that, that effort and then things people looking for something more, dissatisfied, not quite happy with their uh, church, that now they're seeking for more. And out of this came the charismatic move. Mm. And the charismatic move is, again, people who are trying to go beyond what the, um, their church is offering, seeking this experience called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But there, then, then was introduced a, uh, a doctrine uh, in Pentecostal circles, that tongues was the evidence of the Holy Ghost, of having received the Holy Ghost. And out of that, many people spoke with tongues mm -hmm. and thought they had the Holy Spirit, but didn't have the Holy Spirit because, remember, the Scripture says they didn't get it. They go seeking it, but they don't get it. There is a way to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that's being one with the word to your day, not one with the word to another day. Now then, how does that relate to this scripture? The, the foolish virgin said, our oil has gone out. So at some time, they had oil. Mm -hmm. So we, we, let's look at a Lutheran movement, powerful, dynamic movement, initiating the Reformation, coming out of the Dark Ages, Holy Spirit people withstanding the error of the day and standing on the truth of justification by faith. And then the followers of Luther's movement built a denominational wall around his teachings, but God wasn't finished. He hadn't restored the church. The church moved on, but they couldn't move because it didn't fit in their framework of denomination. And when the light moved, but they didn't move with it, their lamp went out. Why? Because the Holy Spirit moves with the word. So now, so we, we could take this back now in the foolish virgin group are all those older churches of former ages who had dynamic beginnings. 
Holy Ghost beginnings, and they can point to their roots and say, look what established our church, what power, what dynamics. Absolutely. Right. Nobody's arguing that. That was a real movement of God. But what is God doing today mm -hmm. in that same group? And we find them lowering their standards, accepting things they never would have accepted initially. Why? No oil in their lamp. No Holy Ghost power to take, to take them on. So we find then, we see the evidence of, of the Foolish Virgins group seeking this Holy Ghost uh, gift, but the majority, I'll have to put it that way, don't get it because they end up with speaking in tongues. Now, uh, we've, we've spoken in past on the tongues being the evidence of the Holy Ghost, and uh, Jeff, if you don't mind, would you comment on that while I'm looking up a scripture I want sure, to read sure, to the people? Sure. Uh, we find out that uh, Frank Bartleman, a man who wrote a book about Azusa Street, 19, uh, the 1906 revival that took place uh, in, in the San Francisco area, Los, he, Angeles. Los Angeles area, on Azusa Street, California, this great move of God, and it went on for several years before they denominated. But as the move began, it was one man, a black man with, a, with a, one missing eye. His name, uh, ironically, was Seymour, and he saw a lot more. Mm -hmm. This black man... Put his, put his body in a box and prayed in that box saying, Oh God, if the Holy Spirit is available today, not just back in the book of Acts, but today, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he began to seek for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In doing so, God poured his spirit out upon his little church. God began to move. A, a reporter came in, a newspaper reporter came in and began to uh, write down and take account of everything that was happening. And he himself began to realize God was surely moving. Prophecy broke forth in the church and said, this is God, but don't denominate and don't come up with an evidence of the Holy Spirit. But they still did nonetheless. And they made tongues speaking in tongues as an evidence. And today in many charismatic Pentecostal churches, people will go to the altar and they'll teach their people how to speak with tongues, whether they grab their jaw or some sensation or some emotion. So they point the people to a physical sensation or emotion as an evidence of the Holy Spirit. It's a very damning and confusing doctrine. And my heart goes out to many of Pentecostal people because they know their life doesn't match the word of God. They know they're living in sin and they know that they have things in their life that they're not overcoming and yet they're speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. And so the outer man can be anointed to speak with tongues, but there's a soul down in there that has to be converted, has to be transformed, and that can only come by the Word of God. Yeah, we had discussed with you, uh, viewing audience, <coughs> we had discussed with you in, the, in a uh, previous session with you about false Christs that were to come in the last days, that they have a genuine baptism of the Holy Ghost on their spirit, but unconverted in their soul, because only the Word of God can divide asunder soul and spirit. So it takes the Word of God for the age to pierce the dividing asunder of soul and spirit to bring a conversion in the soul. The scripture that I wanted to re uh, read to you is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongue of men, and angels, men, that would be known languages, and angels, unknown languages, and have not charity, so don't have the Holy Ghost, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So though I speak with the tongues of men of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. So here he's saying that I can have that without the Holy Ghost. 
people by faith can reach up and get a hold of the gifts of God, manifest the gifts of God, and still be unconverted in their soul. I had personal experience of that in, in my own life when I was fellowshipping in Pentecostal circles. I spoke in tongues. I interpreted tongues. I had gifts of the Spirit operating in my life. And I was told by my fellow people that I had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost because those things were there. But yet I was very disappointed in my own life because I felt if this is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, I'm a little disappointed. Mm -hmm. I thought it would bring a greater change in my life. And then further on down the road, as God guided me on into what we call the message of the hour, and the word opened up, the Bible opened up, and I saw what God was doing in my day. Then came an experience that changed something way down. Amen. And then I saw the life-changing experience taking place because something had happened on my soul. We're not against speaking with tongues, God forbid. That's, that's in the scripture. But I, I like the way Brother Brandon put it, and I've heard other uh, people repeat it also. When you buy a pair of shoes, you don't go in asking for the tongues of the shoes. You ask for the shoes and the tongues comes with it. Right. And so the same way, the baptism of the Holy Ghost can come with speaking in tongues, but it can also come as a life-changing experience without speaking in tongues. And then for those of you who are Pentecostals and have the gift of tongues operating in your churches, just for a moment with me, look at the lives of all the people, of these gifted people who are speaking in tongues would you say their life is aligned to the word? Would you right. say they are living a Christ-like life? I'm not speaking of all of them, but many. Wouldn't you say you wonder how can they live that kind of life and yet claim the baptism of the Holy Ghost? That's what confused me when I was yet in Pentecost because we had a saying that we dare not uh, speak against that anointed one and that the saying used to be, God will not put his Holy Spirit on an unclean vessel. And it sounds so good, but we find in Scripture that the Scripture itself says that he'll pour out his, of his Spirit upon all flesh, all mm -hmm. flesh. Mm -hmm. So this Holy Ghost experience is available without a conversion if the people don't have the proper word coming, coming with it. And so now we're seeing a division then of the people who think they have oil in their lamp, but they have an experience. They got a hold of the gifts, but not a hold of the giver of the gifts. So now this wise and foolish virgin you see is becoming more distinct in our, in our age. And so that's, that's exactly why we're teaching things. We're not trying to uh, create arguments. We're trying to reach those Christians who are hungering and thirsting for more of God, but may be a little bit confused in their walk. Why this and why that? That's why we're trying to bring you this, what we call the message of the hour, mm -hmm. for the very purpose of helping bring you out of confusion. And we notice in the parable of the wise and foolish virgins that it says, go ye out to meet him. Out from where? Out from anything that would hold you back from the fullness of the word, which sadly enough, often is our own church. Mm -hmm. That they have their set of doctrines, they have their set of creeds, and if it's outside of that, they can't accept it. So sometimes our own old church system is actually what holds us back from God, and we have to come out from those systems 
to, to, to find a relationship with Christ. Jeff, you got any comments on that? Paul um, found himself persecuting uh, the believers, and his name was Saul at that time. His prior teachings convinced him that uh, these ones that uh, called themselves followers of Christ were false, were wrong. In reality, Paul met a pillar of fire, and that pillar of fire, Paul looked up into that <coughs> sky and said, Lord, capital L-O-R-D, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. Paul was persecuting Jesus in his church while thinking that, that, that what he was doing was right and correct. He was actually coming against the things of God. So his former teachings stood in the way of revealed truth. Jesus said the same thing. He says, by your traditions, you make my word of none effect. Mm -hmm. So we find that, yes, the anointing, the Bible says the rain, God's anointing, can fall on the just Amen. and the unjust. So both can shout, the tares can shout, the wheat can shout. They both can rejoice in the word, and they both can speak with tongues. But that doesn't mean they're born again. There's a soul down on the inside. We're a triune being, body, spirit, and soul. The soul must be transformed and changed by the word of God. There's a scripture here I'm going to read. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? Judas Iscariot cast out devils. Mm -hmm. Judas Iscariot saw Satan falling out from heaven powerless. So Judas was there and he, Judas was anointed, but Judas was not born again. Goes on to say then, cast out devils. Uh, in, in thy name and done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. They didn't go on to do God's will. God's will is his word. And God is always revealing him, more of himself. The fallacy of denominationalism, pardon me, is, is that they put God in a box. We're Lutherans, we're Wesleyans, but God moves on. We must be, realize you can't put God in a box. God is forever revealing more of himself. So we want to follow God, that light, as God is in that light. So our subject matter now, the wise and the foolish virgins. And so why are we emphasizing this? Because it's the wise that go into this thing called the rapture. The uh, Bible does not use the term rapture. So I want to take a couple scriptures. Jeff, if you wouldn't mind catching the yeah. one in Thessalonians, mm -hmm. and I'm going to read the one in uh, Corinthians. And so in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means go into the grave. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed for this Corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. The body change that the, see, the scripture talks about, it. he'll read those that are alive and remain. So at the time of the rapture, those who are the believers on earth, there is coming a point where they will physically receive a change in their body. While living, they'll be transformed, as it says here, in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Excuse me, I was just checking our time over here. In a moment in a twinkling of an eye, and 
and that that is the rapture. Mm -hmm. Well, I thought the rapture was going to meet him in the air. It's not like flying up into the heavens, the meeting in the air, which you'll read about in a moment, but rather the change in the body takes us out of this little pest house, jail house that we live in now that cannot contact the dimensions around us. And so when, when we're changed in a moment in a twinkling way, we are thrown in contact with the dimensions that are already here that we are unable to contact with these bodies. Mm -hmm. The scripture says the angels encamp about those that fear God. Well, I don't see them, but the Bible says they're here. Mm -hmm. Why don't I see them? Because <clears throat> this body isn't equipped to be in contact with that dimension. So there is the dim dimensions around us, heavenly, godly dimensions that are around us, we can't see. The change in the body will throw us into that dimension and we'll contact Christ and the powers of God who are already right here and camped round about. And that's the rapture. And then now here's the same thing, but placed in the words uh, in the Thessalonians. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, so there's one group that is alive and remain, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or hinder them which are asleep, another group that are in the grave or asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's where we get our word rapture. It's actually the Greek word raptos, which is what we have on a bird. They're called raptors. And a bird swoops down, catches his prey, and lifts him up into the air. He's been raptured, raptos, caught up. So let's go on to read. It goes on to say, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And as Brother Lonnie said, air doesn't mean literal air, neither does clouds mean literal clouds. It's just another dimension. And we're not too far from that dimension. It's really just, a little, just above the doorpost, a little bit faster than this dimension. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Any last comments, Brother Lonnie? Yeah, the, uh, in Revelations 20, we will pick up there it says that the rest of the dead lived not for a thousand years. So consequently, there is a group that will rule and reign with Christ a thousand years on earth. And this group, ruling and reigning with Christ, that's the bridegroom. That's the wise virgin in each age. And what we're trying to do is bring you a message, friends, that will throw you maybe out of a foolish virgin category to a wise virgin to be ready to meet the Lord in the air at His coming and escape Amen. the great tribulation that's coming that's right. upon the earth. God bless you. God bless. For a DVD of today's program, The Wise and Foolish Virgin, write to Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, at Lima, Ohio, and our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Or visit our website at globalanswers.us. May our Lord Jesus Christ richly